everybody. Welcome back to episode 171 of the Youth Ministry Booster Podcast. A special interview episode today with our good friend Ben Trueblood. Some folks bring one book, Ben this time brought two. Today on the podcast, we're talking about students after they graduate your student ministry. Whatever is next for them, what is life beyond student ministry like for our students? And what are we doing in the now to prepare them for the next? It's an interesting and important conversation as we both have statistical data and some pastoral concern that we hope we can invite you into as we talk about on the show today. But before we get into that, a couple updates for you. Because Ben's on the show and he's bringing books, we wanted to give you a gift. So if you haven't checked out the Youth Ministry Booster Network membership side of life, you can check it out. Sign up for a new membership anytime between now and the end of March this year, and we will get you one of Ben's books for free. That's it. That's it. I already signed up for a new membership if you're not a member already and we'll get you one of Ben's new books either within reach or a different college experience for free. Just let us know when you sign up which book you want and we'll get it shipped to you. It's a little gift for you guys to check out. We would love to have you check out a part of our network. Have some amazing webinars up next and some amazing coaching calls weekly and some mastermind groups that are ongoing that are fun and exciting to be a part of. But more than a community of happenings, we hope that it's a community of care. So if nobody's asked you today, youth minister, how are you doing? We'd love to hear from you. We'll post some links in the show notes below where you can email and message us. But we'd love to hear from you, youth minister serving faithfully week in and week out in your local church, in your youth ministry, in your context. You are the one connected to these students that care about them and not just the now, but the next. But we want to hear from you. So message us in the below. We'd love to hear from you. But now, without further ado, our good friend Ben Trueblood talking about life after student ministry. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode with the Youth Ministry Booster podcast. This time, sitting down with a friend of the podcast and a podcast of the friends, our good buddy, Ben Trueblood, director of Lifeway Students and all the things that go on in Nashville and maybe even in your neck of the woods. Ben, how are you doing today, sir? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Man, I'm excited to talk today. You've, you're like you're like dropping albums out of nowhere, man. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's the Hamill drop with True Blood. Uh, and so we're super excited to talk about a couple different things today. You've got some fresh research for us related to student ministry and then a fresh book to give our students in student ministry, all yeah. centering around the, the notion, the idea, the concept of starting college or whatever is next, life after student ministry. Uh, and we pray that there is a faithful life after student ministry. And so I would love for you to maybe set it up a little bit. Uh, you drop both of these things here at the end of January uh, that, you know, maybe that was on purpose. Maybe they just, you know, the stars online and you're just giving us the, the double, <laughs> double disc, the double album, the, the extended LP. That's uh, right. For That's kind of the way it worked out. It was super, it was super strange. So like, the, the book with the research uh, that's really meant for student pastors, church leaders um, that, you know, walks through the re- some of the research and gives practical application to, you know, what we can do in the church. That one's called Within Reach. Okay. And that one we did, you know, out of LifeWay students. So uh, like I say in the first, you know, first opening pages, my name's on the front, but it is, it was a team project all the okay. way from deciding we're partnering with LifeWay Research and Scott McConnell and those guys to, uh, to our team really kind of saying, okay, what do we want to ask? And how do we want this? What do we want to research? Yeah. Um, all the way down. So it was a team project for sure. So that one, we have a little bit more control over the release date. Um, and, you know, re- re- one things I learned about research is it always takes longer than it does. Okay. So, you know, it, it just takes time to get people's thoughts back and to compile mm. all that. So it kept getting pushed. 
And then the other book is called A Different College Experience. A good friend of mine, Brian Mills, and I wrote that together. And it's meant actually for students, for somebody, high school graduate, somebody's getting ready to graduate, somebody in their journey through the college years. Uh, And that one, we actually turned in the manuscript for that uh, in December 2017. Okay. So it's been kind of in the queue. A 14 month in the can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so all right. in the editing process and all that stuff. And so they did, it just came down to both of them coming out the same, same week, which is kind of exciting. Well, that's super. Well, the double whammy is great. And so we love uh, for our folks to check those out, but maybe hear a little more of the story behind. So I feel like every youth minister has got a statistic in mind. I mean, the one for me that, that whenever it came out kind of stuck to my bones was that, you know, one out of 10 uh, students are going to be really connected after co- after high school into college uh, and that nine out of 10 are up for, up for debate <laughs> or whatever, whatever yeah. the number was. And so maybe, maybe it's two out of 10 or four, whatever the numbers that get floating around circulating. So for you, like, I mean, this is obviously, I think a, a real important kind of, you know, outcome mindset reality for those that work with students is where are we headed? How are we doing on the other side of the time we spend with them, but but why now? Why in the last couple of years do you feel like was the research out of date? Were you curious to see if things had changed, or yeah. were you just like, hey, it's been a while. Let's just go see what the waters are like. I think what you articulated is one of the reasons why we wanted to do it right now is because even as a student pastor, like I had those figures in my mind too, and it's you know the further away you get from when the research is done. I think numbers, people just kind of, it's 87% or, you know. It, wildly different. Wildly pick a number. different. <laughs> uh, so 11 years ago, Lifeway Research did the original, what became known as the dropout study. Okay. Uh, so it's an 11-year-old number. And that number was 70% of Drop those out. who were active. Yeah, of those who were active okay. during their high school years will drop out during their college years. Um, and so we wanted to one redo a decade later, where are we at right now? Okay. And, uh, similarly to you, I was hearing all kinds of numbers and estimates about what that was. And so we wanted at least for this slice in time to be able to give student pastors and churches, Hey, this is in Protestant churches. Here's what it is right now. And, and we found that it was 66%. Okay. That were active during their high school years will no longer be active during their college years. And it's important to give kind of the where that number comes from. Define define the active stuff because I think this is where we're going to get to in a minute. Like I feel like student ministry itself feels a lot more deactivated than it used to, but we'll get there. So so define for us active. Yeah, active uh, for the purpose of this research. And we wanted to, in order to compare numbers a decade ago, we wanted to have the same definition for active. Okay. I think that's really important. So when we compare, we're comparing same statistics. Uh, and that is defined as twice a month at okay. least okay. in attendance. Okay. So, it's so somebody, somebody check them in on the computer or the clipboard two or more times a month. Okay. Yeah. And at first, like, I think there can be a reaction to that. It's like, well, never mind. My students that come every, you know, four or five times a month, they're at, that, they're at everything. Surely they'll be more connected. Like, so I think if we're in our defensive mode, we can kind of go to that and be like, well, two times a month, of course not. But I would 
I would challenge us to really mm. think about like our, if you're, if you have people there twice a month, yeah. like your church probably considers them active attenders. Right. Right. So I, I think that definition is a, in our church culture today, we could lament all we want about, we wish four times was active. Right. But the reality is, is that if you average twice a month over the course of a year, that's a pretty fair definition. No, and again, I think that's important to name because uh, I think for all of us, you know, at best, we're hoping for three out of four. Uh, and the reality is two out of four or two out of five seems um, pretty achievable, right? Or we would hope yeah. feels pretty achievable. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, so, the goal is to move people yeah. that are coming twice. And, you know, that's having a strategy and a funnel for them. And like the goal would be to get them more integrated into things. But Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. So, so what moves them from active to deactive or inactive? Is it, is it, is it once every six weeks still active or is it just when, as soon as they hit that below 50% mark, we're just, you know, if, if when they become the, uh, the Christmas and Easter Christian Christians, or is that, is that considered inactive or? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. I think another important thing to name here too, is that these are Protestant churches. So we're not including, and it's, uh, all of America. So we're not zoning in on Midwest or Southeast or okay. it is a Baptist survey Methodist of America, yeah. right. Protestant across America. Okay. Um, so these would be people who are in a church uh, where God's word is taught. You know, they're people who believe in the inerrancy of scripture. Like they would have very similar uh, belief systems. It wouldn't be you know, it would be like a, maybe a cousin denominationally, not yeah. like the crazy six cousin that you hope you never see. Like these are okay. people who are at the family reunion and yeah. we would all have shared major belief categories. So okay. I think that's important to point out too. Well, and so the thing that I want to get into this come out in the research uh, are some of the reasons uh, related to that kind of dropping out or moving from active to inactive. And so uh, it says here in the research that 96% cite life change. 72% cite church or pastor-related reasons, uh, whether it's because they felt like they were being judged hypocritical or didn't feel connected. Uh, 70% same uh, religious, ethical, or political beliefs. So maybe there was a change of um, understanding, perspective. And then 63% said stu- uh, student and youth ministry reasons contributed because uh, they didn't get connected with the student ministry or they felt like they couldn't find a ministry uh, that looked like their student ministry get connected into and so I think those four categories uh, are really helpful uh, for the research side, but I would be interested to know uh, maybe as, as, as kind of on the student ministry side in particular, some of the things, uh, yeah, students are going to move and they're going to go from the town they grew up in to a different town for college or for yeah. the military or for a job or whatever. Uh, or, you know, maybe, maybe they feel like the church they grew up in isn't the church that they belong in now. So I think there is some of that transplant uprootedness uh, but the student and youth ministry side of things, I mean, that 63, 66% that we were talking about, like what are some of the things kind of dialed in behind that number that the research maybe quantitatively or qualitatively uh, stated or was gathered to help youth pastors understand their role, helping find a different way for that number? Yeah. So you mentioned one right off the top, and that's 96% of the group that dropped out dropped out for the broad category of life changes or situations. Now, like we know when you graduate high school, it's a huge life change. I mean, it is a a major transition. Even if you're staying local for college for the first time, like you are 
an authoritative decision maker for many of them. Yeah. It's the first time they're an authoritative decision maker over the things of their life. And you're like, you've known going to school forever. Like that's what you've known. And then now all of a sudden you're not in that same environment. And so if I could, I'll kind of give you what reasons make up that 96%. Uh, So they, they all flow up into that big category. Here's some of the things that they said as reasons why they stopped out. And this, I think this is going to really help student pastors um, because what we're not seeing from any of this research is I'm leaving the church because I'm bitter. I'm angry. An atheist Mm. professor convinced me not to, I started partying really heavily. And so I quit going to church. Mm. Like we don't have in large part, a generation of high school students who were active in the church that are saying, I don't, want my faith anymore. And so I'm going to leave it. Mm. That's, that's not happening. So here, here's what they said. Uh, of those who dropped out, 34% said I moved to college and stopped attending church. Okay. That was it. That was the reason they dropped out because they moved away to college. Mm. Uh, and so think of, keep that in your mind and then, and then think of this. Uh, I moved too far away from the church to continue attending at 22%. Mm. So both of those have to do with a physical relocation. I moved too far away, and so mm-hmm. I stopped attending. So that's literally like, man, I, I went to student ministry. I, I was a part of a church in Tulsa, and now I live in Dallas, and I'm going to school. Man, I, I can't drive back to Tulsa on Sunday mornings to go to church. And, like, and so, for, How am I supposed to do that? So as soon as that thought kind of crosses, the, the, the thinking just kind of stops, and they're just like, well my church is in a different town. So therefore I don't longer have a church. And so that kind of, they had to have a mindset where their church is very much tied to the brick and mortar um, that they grew up in. Their church is an address. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, so one of the major applications that I take away from this research as we poured through it and it's evidenced other places, but, but mainly in these statements, 34% of them dropped out because they moved away and 22% of them said, I moved away too far away to continue attending. It means that we have high school students graduating out of our student ministries with no idea of what it means to be connected to a church mm. and no idea of what outside of the church they grew up in or were currently attending. Like that, that yeah. is, that is the whole box for them of what church is. It's the body of Christ, capital C church element that is completely missing from their, from their logic, completely mm. missing from their mindset because they associate church with their address. Yeah. I went to church there. I yeah. can't go to church there anymore. So therefore so I will not go to church. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't yeah. take you long to get there. And so one of the application points is in student ministry, we have to do a better job of helping them understand what it means to be connected to capital C church body of Christ. And it also points to them graduating and not having any real pull or desire or anything within them saying, I need to be connected to a local body of believers. Mm. So one of the other statistics that jumped off the page to me is that 71% of the people that dropped out didn't plan on taking a break from church. Okay. Well, like say more that that's fascinating. Yeah. There wasn't a logical definitive moment where they said, I am now graduated I no longer want to attend church. I, 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 my time is done. I am done. That's right. 71% of them didn't plan on taking a break. 
Mm. Yet they found themselves no longer connected or dropping out of church. And so for me, that further reinforces this idea that they're leaving student ministries and there's nothing that, that we've helped them understand that has created a pull for them as a follower of Jesus to be connected in a local expression of believers to other followers of Christ. And that's, that, to me, that's almost more scary than atheist teacher convinces them that their faith isn't real. So what, what, what are maybe some applications of that for, um, for a student pastor that's hearing that and, and hearing the, that, that's, that's kind of scary, actually. That's haunting. Yeah, I, I think one application is simply make sure that teenagers have multiple opportunities throughout their time in student ministry to be connected to the church at large. Okay. Connected to adults in the church, connected to the adult ministries of the church. One of the other statistics that comes out among the church and pastor related reasons that they dropped out is 29% of them said, I didn't feel connected to people in my church. Now, that's not talking about other teenagers. Specifically here, that's talking about other people in the church. So at least 29% of them are saying, I had a need and a desire to be connected to the people of the church that wasn't fulfilled. Mm. So maybe I enjoyed youth group or I had a fun time at the program, yeah. but those relational things that mattered more than the, the branding or the event or the camp um, just kind of fell flat. Is, is that maybe part of why so much was tied to the address is it was tied to um, the sign, the address and the activity and not the, the people and the connection? Yeah, I think so. And we see multiple times we see evidences of, a connection with people as a primary driver for people staying connected to the church and college and not just my small group leader in the youth ministry and not just other students and the youth pastor, but to the church at large. And just in terms of a simple training component, the Mm. more we connect students to the rest of the church and they see what church life is, they begin to understand, Oh, the church needs me. Yeah. Like I'm not just over here as a sophomore or junior or senior in high school that, you know, they appreciate being here. Like those senior adults actually need me as a part of the body of Christ. And here's why, and helping them understand here's why I need them Mm. as a part of the body of Christ. And once I think we get that the church needs me and I need them kind of built into the DNA, which like, as a believer, that, sh- that, that comes with being a, a believer. Like the yeah. Holy Spirit comes and brings this desire for community. But I think just like anything else, we have to unpack that and help teenagers understand what that community looks like and what doing life with other people looks like. And so that to me is a major application that came from this is, mm-hmm. is showing that need relationship. Like they, they're a hand or an ear in the body, mm-hmm. body of Christ. And mm-hmm. They simply just don't understand what that looks like. And so there's no pull for them to say when they wake up and go, am I going to go to church today? It's like, well, I can't. I moved away. And just as a side note, too, we didn't mention this because we'll talk. We talk a lot about college. 
people who graduate high school and maybe go straight into the workforce or go into the military, that we didn't see any kind of dropout rate that was significantly different from those who attend college. So this isn't just a university issue. Mm. It is a issue of that transition moment in general. Graduating out of and not being able to graduate into. And I think, I think that's one of the things, I mean, I think for so many student pastors that they lament, but maybe this is a chance to kind of reconsider is that, you know, your, your work in student ministry, we know it's not done, but maybe we feel some artificial um, barrier that, you know, well, you know, they're, they're 19 now. So that's the adult ministry's responsibility. Yeah. I guess for somebody that's listening, uh, student minister, or otherwise that works with young people, is, is this change, is this change the nature of what we do or the nature of, of where we're going when we do it? Cause that, what I'm hearing you say is not that this is not student ministry to blame for when student ministry exists. This is student ministry to blame for not being able to direct point or connect beyond the student ministry itself. And I, I think you, you pulled it right there. So, what we saw in the research is there were generally positive things. I enjoyed my student ministry experience. I enjoyed my youth pastor. Uh, there, you know, there were some, you know, of the standard hypocritical, hypocritical or judgmental feeling. You know, there's always going to be some of those kinds of things that that run through. And certainly in student ministry, we try to avoid and fix and and teach with those things, all of that. But we didn't see a negative reaction towards student ministry. So what mm. that leads me to believe, and you articulated, I would say it this way, student ministries are doing a really good job of preparing students to live for Jesus right now in their lives, but mm. maybe there's some work we need to do to prepare them for living for Jesus in the next moment of their lives. So for the next while they're in the now, and that's, right. and that's the, so you, we, hey, youth pastor, listening, you're doing a really good job of helping them in middle school and in high school, but where in the the work and the makeup and the structure are we preparing them for the next as well as the now? Okay, so yeah. uh, take us to the college book because that's that's no coincidence that the the research would guide you to write uh, a book in that way. And so uh, I appreciate the advanced copy, and I was really intrigued at some of the route that you took. Uh, it felt a little more uh, spiritual disciplines and contemplative than like if you yeah. just if you told me you're working on it. And I was like, great, cool, a book about college. Maybe it's kind of devotionally tinted lens to kind of get everybody ready for the first 90 days. Uh, but what you kind of lay out in the book feels a lot more uh, like prayer practice, wisdom. I mean, it's it's a lot more uh, Proverbs than it is um, prophecy. <laughs> Yeah, It's a lot more wisdom lit than it is like prophetic judgment of what's ahead for you. Yeah, man, one of the things, so this, so a different college experience is the name of, of, of this of this one. And it came about, Brian Mills and I attend a conference together every year, and we were sitting next to each other on a bus uh, at where all good ideas come about or on a bus, whether it's in student ministry or af- even as adults. So sitting next to somebody on a bus, or something good's going to come from it. So we're, we're on this bus and we're driving, and Brian had recently transitioned into leading college ministry okay. uh, and being a college pastor. Um, and in my role here at Lifeway and trying to serve student pastors and, and things like that, I asked him, now seeing students on the other side of what we've done with so much of our lives, what would you do differently if you were to go back and be a student pastor now, having been with so many college students? Mm. And that sparked this conversation that got us talking that eventually led to 
the book proposal and all the things that, that go oh, from that, there. Yeah. And so we, we believed two things. One, that we know for certain that a college student does not have to take the cultural normative of college and live in a accountability free consequence free zone of experimentation. Um, and quite honestly, that's what, what he sees from a, in being on campus a lot is that many people and you know, the college experience is a, is a season of consequence free experimentation living. We believed that somebody could experience the same fun at college and have an incredibly uh, joyful, happy, fun experience while not having to deal with the consequences that are kind of gained as baggage during that year mm. by choosing to have those years at a, as a catalyst for spiritual maturity in Christ rather than the cultural cultural path. So that's why we called it a different college experience. Mm. Still a college experience, still fun, still amazing. But all of that starts with the gospel and who mm. we are because of that. And so in the book, we dive in deeply mm. right out of the gate and we present the gospel. Uh, even in the book, we give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel, because we know that there are going to be people who have this book in their hands that, you know, grandma may have bought it for them or whatever, and they're far from Jesus, or they may have a little bit of church experience, but not a whole lot. Mom or dad's a strong believer, and they're, you know, please just read this. Mm. And so we wanted to start the book with, here's the gospel, here's yeah. what it is, here's what it means in your life, and then unpack that from there and build a really solid foundation of identity. Mm. before we ever get to the real practical, here's how to handle dating. Here's how to handle mm. Greek life. Here's how, and there are some of those things in there, super mm. practical on the back end of the book. But we wanted to frame those things up on what the gospel is. And honestly, from I'll call it a selfish standpoint, we really wanted the first part of this book to be like, man, I've been in student ministry a long time. If I could say anything to you, mm. teenager, as you're walking out the door, yeah. this is my last chance to say something to you. Mm. This is what it would be. Mm. And so that's, that's kind of how we approached, approached the book. That's good. That's good. And, and for you, um, I mean, again, I think a lot of these things have overlap in the ways in which um, the numbers can be convicting for the youth pastor and the book can be an asset for youth pastors to give uh, to students in their student ministry. But, but maybe, maybe in between those two kind of like the writings for both, the research for both, um, speaking to a group of student ministers, youth pastors, like what, what are the things that begin now uh, to help the the students for next? And I think, you know, for some youth pastors, they're they're doing what they do because they they feel the pressure of they've always got new students coming through. You know, kids are always getting older, and so we're going to keep giving the dose of what we got to give in the best possible way. Um, but what are some ways that we can like recalibrate, retune, yeah. uh, re attenuate uh, some of our some of our frequency to be thinking about giving a little bit of next in the now. Yeah. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you some real practical um, things that I think student pastors will be able to do between now and graduation. Even, okay. uh, you know, we're sitting here, we, there's what four months left and yeah. we're going to send another class off. So I'll give you some real practical things. Number one, um, 
71% didn't plan on leaving. It just happened. And so Mm -hmm. there are some things that go, that go into that, but here's one thing that I think can make a huge difference as a student pastor, equip parents in what it means to make a college visit. Mm. So uh, normally what happens on a college visit is they'll leave Thursday night or Friday morning. They'll drive to the college or university on the visit weekend. There's stuff that's going on on Saturday. Usually it's like basketball game or football game. You know, they plan those things around like fun campus activities. And then there might be something Sunday morning or Sunday is treated as a travel day because they want their kids to be back in school on Monday. You don't want to miss too many days of school to go do these college visits. Yeah. Well, what would it look like for those parents to say to their kids, just as important as the college decision is the church decision, if not more important. And I think we would say it's more important. So we're going to make sure that anytime we do a college visit that we're going to plan to either meet with or visit somebody from a local church in that town. Mm. And as student pastors, that's something, you know, as the size of your ministry grows, this is a little bit more difficult to scale and you may have to get small group leaders involved in this for your senior classes. But what would it look like to give those parents, hey, here are a couple churches you should check out while you're in Dallas or wherever visiting this college. Mm. Uh, Meet with a college pastor, meet with somebody from the church and kind of help train the student that, hey, we're not just choosing a college here. Mm. The next phase of your life is not just about choosing where you're going to go to school. The school conversation goes along with where are you going to continue to plug in as a part of the body Mm. of Christ? And that's a great way that a student pastor can help a parent in that discipleship moment and reinforce, Hey, this is, this needs to be a part of your life. So that's one, that's one way. Um, Another way, and I know this is close to your heart. So you, you will like this one more focus on small groups and volunteer training. Mm. So the number one predictor of whether or not I'm going to give it away. I'm going to give it away to you. It's a free one. Here's a free one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh uh, the number one predictor of whether or not a teenager will stay connected to the church or drop out from the church in college is the number of adult spiritual mentors in their life during the high school years. Okay. So we saw Uh, that when a person had three or more adult spiritual mentors in their life during the high school years, they were three times more likely to stay connected to the church and college. Mm. So for me, and there's other evidence in the reasons why people dropped out of lack of connection and all of those things that would lead me to say that's fixed with a small group. Mm. Small groups are all, are also, the, the easiest and most beneficial place to get them exposed to people who would become their adult spiritual mentors. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have this predictor three times more likely when they have three or more adult spiritual mentors. And some of those may be a youth pastor, but many times those are a combination of youth pastor and adult volunteer. Mm. Yet look at how much time we train adult volunteers. Mm. Look at the emphasis that's put into training adult volunteers. Look at, look at all of those factors. And what we see is that it's one of the primary predictors, yet we don't do it. So here's a couple of statistics I would throw your way. 94% of student pastors, see, that's part of the research that we included this time, is we also studied student pastor habits okay. so that we could lay those over the top of 
the student habit research. And here's one that I think you're going to find fascinating. 94% uh, of student pastors agree that training volunteers uh, is important. So mm. yes, like we, 94% agree that adult volunteers need regular training to improve their skills. Okay. The same group of youth pastors, 16% said they rarely or never recruit volunteers. 31% said they only recruit volunteers once a year. Mm. And then spend time coaching adult volunteers. The same group of youth pastors, 94% said it's important. 16% said they rarely or never coach adult volunteers. 19% said they coach once a year. And 36% says they coach every few months. Wow. So for me, if I'm hearing this research as a student pastor, number one, I'm going to evaluate how much energy and effort I'm putting into training my adult volunteers because I know that they are a primary predictor of whether or not teenagers are going to build lifelong faith. Mm. And yeah, that's, we're not making the investment for the turnaround. And that's, uh, I I think, uh, a critical piece uh, again, because this is uh, the long game played in a short season, and it feels like sometimes the rush to triage and care for the students now. Uh, but what I'm hearing you say is that the investment of time put into the adult leaders to quantify, to multiply the number of adult leaders that are recruited, trained, and invested in the life of students is actually the higher success marker for students that come through than just a youth pastor's immediate attention. Yeah, absolutely. Now, listen, I I would never advocate the youth pastor never spending time with teenagers. I think that's a bad idea. But in terms of just, like, if you are just interpreting numbers, and we can't always do that, but if we're just interpreting numbers, your time spent as a student pastor in recruiting and training adult volunteers to unleash in the lives of teenagers is far better spent than Mm. any time you spend with a teenager yourself. Mm. Now, again, spend time with teenagers. Like you can be one of those three in their, in their lives. And that's awesome. But if you do that and in the effort and time that it takes for you to be one of those three, you're sacrificing time that it takes to equip the other people to be number two, number three, number four. Mm then we're not setting up a long-term view of faith and discipleship. Training's a big deal, man. And those small groups are, I mean, we continue to see over and over in the research how important being a part of a small group discipleship environment was. Ben, it's been great having you on the show today. Uh, any, any Any last words for us before we sign off today's episode? One thing I would just say is when we look at research and we see numbers like this, often it it weighs on us. But the reason why we titled the research book Within Reach is because we believe that hope is within reach. And there are small changes that student ministries can make along the way that can have a powerful impact in reducing that 66% number. So hope is there. Hope is there. Mm, That's good. Well, Ben, I appreciate your friend and good times and uh, links to Ben and his amazing podcast from LifeWay Students. Uh, down below where you can get more of uh, these research-based informations and books. And Ben, I'm excited to read the college book and get it to our students uh, this season. Cool. Thank you, buddy. 
All right, there you go. That's our interview with Ben Trueblood on the topic of students graduating student ministry into whatever is next. What are we doing in the now to prepare them for the next? Some really great stuff, some really great resources in those books. And if you are interested in Youth Ministry Booster as a member, the webinar is live now. The recording of Ben sharing more in depth with slides and numbers in detail, some of the research that they've found, some excellent stuff from our friend Ben over at LifeWay. Hope you guys check that out. And until then, we'll see you back on the podcast or in the network. Thanks again for listening to Youth Ministry Booster. We love you. We're thankful for you. And we hope that this week in youth ministry, you find a way to connect the now for the next. And until then, we'll see you next time. I'm going to show you things you've never seen.